This is Rob Rosenthal. He teaches radio journalism. There are days when Rob, the 17-year-old, wouldn't recognize Rob, the 56-year-old. Yeah. So, Rob, do your students ever find out about your teenage punk past? Uh, Yeah, totally. Somewhere along the way, someone will kind of spring it on me. So, Rob, we learned something about you last night, and immediately I'm kind of jazzed. I feel like because I'm an old goat now, it gives me a little bit of street cred. And then immediately following that feeling is the feeling like, oh, but wait, did they find that song? Rob was a founding member of The Freeze. They formed in 1978, and they're still the longest-running punk band to come out of Cape Cod. Like a lot of punk bands of the era, they sang about what they were against. Religion, jocks, conformity. We are supposed to change the goddamn world with this music. That was what was supposed to happen. But they also had a song about a kid accidentally locking himself in a refrigerator and dying. They were teenagers. They wanted their songs to be shocking and transgressive, but they were actually pretty crude. Like if if the Freeze had sung racist lyrics, somehow I would have been right there and and I would have said, no, what, what the hell is that? Get that shit out of here. Yet for some reason, it was okay for us to sing a song that treated women this way. Hi, I'm Jessica Hopper, and from KCRW, this is Lost Notes. This season, we're talking about legacies. And on this episode, a former punk rocker tells the story of wrestling with his own legacy, about going back to a song that he wrote 40 years ago and owning up to it. This is Teenage Offenders from Rob Rosenthal. Stick around. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. What I'm about to tell you is embarrassing. In fact, in fact, sometimes when I tell this story, there are parts when I can't look people in the eye. I'll even put my hand up by my face to hide. This is especially true if I'm telling a woman. It starts about 20 years ago. I was upstairs in my house. I might have been folding my clothes or something. Downstairs, my daughter played a song on the stereo. I heard the opening chords and I ran. I don't think I've ever run this fast indoors. I had to turn the song off. I had to. I have a memory of playing a CD. That's my daughter, Chelsea. She's 30 now, but at the time she was maybe 12 or 13. And you came running. Running? No, no, no. I was flying down the hall, down the stairs, into the living room. And you stopped it. Not quite. I didn't just stop it. I slammed the off button. Chelsea looked at me like, what the? Yeah, and you said I wasn't ready to listen to it. That's exactly right. There was no way Chelsea was going to listen to that song. I took the CD from the player and I hit it. In my head, as I walked back upstairs, I heard my father's voice. He was laughing his head off. Payback, Robbie, payback.
In the late 70s and early 80s, the Freeze were maybe a third-tier punk rock band in terms of popularity and skill. Like the Clash and the Ramones, they were tier one. The Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, the Misfits, tier two. We were maybe closer in status to the adolescents or the adverts. Okay, okay, okay. So, so maybe tier four is more accurate. Regardless, if you were into punk, there was one album we played on you might know. This is Boston, not L.A. It's a compilation record of Boston punk bands, and the title came from a free song, and it put the band on the map nationally. Here's the song, all 17 seconds of it. I wrote a lot of the music for The Freeze in the early days. My buddy Cliff, he wrote the lyrics and some music too. I always thought Cliff was pretty clever, like Idiots at Happy Hour. It's fun, a Freeze classic. But all that was nearly 40 years ago. I haven't played in a band since, and I haven't really been in touch with Cliff very much over the years, even though we were wicked close as kids. Cliff, well, to be honest, I'm not sure what words to use, but let's just say Cliff took a different path with his life. I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times over the years, and both times I cried after hanging up, sad about how things turned out for him. If you... See something, say something, see something, say something, see something, say something, see something, say it! But then Cliff appeared out of the blue on Facebook. He sent me a message telling me that for the first time in 20 years, The Freeze are releasing a new album. It's their 10th, Calling All Creatures. Here's one of my favorite songs from it, Neighborhood Pride. I just wanted some time alone I think that's good, right? The free still have it. Well, then Cliff told me the band is also putting out a two-CD retrospective, 40 Years of Defiance, it's called. As we messaged back and forth, Cliff wondered if I should write some liner notes for the album. You know, something about how the band started. And my first thought was, cool. I cherish that time in my life. Cliff and I were ignited by punk rock. And we grabbed that spark and we started a band, totally DIY. I'm still impressed by that. So sure, yeah, I'll write something. But then I had second thoughts. Oh, wait, that song is going to be on the album. I Hate Tourists was one of the first songs we ever wrote. It's really what launched the band. And so obviously, I'd have to write about it. But 40 years later, the song makes me incredibly uncomfortable. We were in high school at the time, and the lyrics sound like it. Adolescent. Like this. I went down to my beach at noon. I got pushed away. There was no room. Their bodies are covering our ocean land, and their babies are pissing in our sand. (laughs) I still find that funny. Sorry. Uh, The only place where there aren't too many is in our local cemetery. 
I'll tell you now, I'll do what I can and get them all sent to Iran. I mean, that's laughable, right? But look, that's nothing. I mean, I wouldn't mind if Chelsea heard that. It's the other parts of the song, the sexist lyrics that made me slam the stereo off and that caused me to cover my face when I talk about it today. I never really quite know how to explain it. Well, I was in high school. I was an idiot. I didn't know any better, blah, blah, blah. But really, I'm ashamed of it. Like the chorus, I hate tourists. Tourists suck. It's it's only their daughter. I, I can't even finish the thing. I mean, I have two daughters, for Christ's sake. And to reissue that song in the Me Too era. I mean, really, come on, talk about freaking tone deaf. So if I write liner notes about tourists and the launch of the band, I can't just wax about the good old days. I need to call us out. Plus, as uncomfortable as this makes me feel, I need to take ownership over what I did. I mean, that's been one of my excuses over the years. Yeah, well, I didn't write the lyrics. That's lame. I wrote the music. I played guitar. I sang on it. I played it live. Like, my name is on the song. But I don't think I can just write about my misgivings in some liner notes and send them in the cliff. In fact, I'm kind of wondering if instead of writing liner notes, I should ask him to not include I hate tourists at all. Either way, it's not an email conversation. I want to talk to him face to face. I owe it to Cliff, or at least the deep friendship we once had. But I really don't think he's going to like what I have to say. I'm actually nervous knocking on Cliff's door. I don't know what I'm going to find. At some point over the last few years, he was homeless for a while. I was told he was sleeping in a tree. These days, he lives with a bandmate and rents a small room in a house in Phoenix. Cliff's path in life has been marked by arrests and drugs. He made different choices than I did. Standing here waiting, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't answer the door. Cliff Crows. <laughs> what, what are you doing? doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? Are we recording already? We are recording. I told you I would show up with my recorder going. Oh, just hit me, hit me without me knowing it. It's all right. That's, That's not fine. true. That's not no, true. No, okay. Well, okay. You did tell me, okay. You did tell me yesterday. I wonder what the hell you were doing with that phallic thing in your hand like that for. I don't know if it was like some homo eruptus kind of thing or whatever it was. <laughs> Come sit down. And I don't want to sit down yet. How does that is sound? Is this how it's going to be? How, how, is this how I am? Is this how I've always been? Yes, of course it is. So there it is. <laughs> but it's t- you're, trying, you're telling me to relax. If I knew how to relax, I wouldn't be in this position in life that I am in now. You know, yeah, I wouldn't still be in this fucking band. And off we go. Or I should say, off Cliff goes. Cigarette in his mouth, bouncing up and down like a kid on a trampoline. My father... Nothing ever. I, nothing I did was ever good. Because the Bible says so. It's nonsense. You know, it was nonsense to me. You know, immaculate conception. I mean, please. I remember at the beginning, just wearing a clash pin would get you in a fight. I'm basically at the at the obesity point right now. I don't like it. I'm five seven, 190. Don't look at me like you're not chunky. My mother's an angel. She's 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 wonderful. Future generations, they'll see the Trump family, not just Trump, but the Trump whole Trump family as the Christian equivalent of Satan. Let's come back to how the freeze started. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> it's been a tragedy. <laughs> Cliff's full name is Cliff Cross. 
and he grew up across the street from me. To say we did everything together doesn't even come close. Here's what I remember. I remember catching frogs. I remember going swimming down at the bass hole. I remember chasing each other on bikes. Digging antique bottles. I had a paper route. Cliff had a paper route. Cliff worked at Angelo's Supermarket. I worked at Angelo's Supermarket. Then the Ramones. Teenage lobotomy by the Ramones changed everything. We were like, why listen to crap like Ted Nugent when there's punk rock? Then it was it. That was it. This is where I belong. Cliff says our taste in punk matches our personalities. I was the jam, clean cut. He was the dead boys, young, loud, and snotty. But it didn't matter. We gobbled up everything, bought stacks of records. Cliff and I shopped with one of my oldest friends, Scott Wood. Trolling through the cutout bins at the record store, Cliff obsessively flipping through records and saying, Do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? It's only two bucks. Buy it. Cliff and I can't remember the exact moment, but sometime in 1978, we got the idea that we could start a band. I can't play guitar, Cliff can't sing, so freaking what? I bought a guitar off a guy for 25 bucks and picked up a cheap amp. Cliff would come over to my bedroom with a pile of lyrics. What do I remember? I remember like uh, plugging the mic into the same amp as your guitar, uh, complete nonsense to begin with and stuff, and slowly things started to come together okay. After a while, we found a drummer and a bass player and another guitarist. Scott even played synth for a short while. I, I feel like I'm a uh, half member of the Freeze. How do you mean? Are you allowed to have keyboards in a hardcore punk band? The Freeze released a 45 in 1980. I Hate Tourists was on one side, and on the other was this new wave ditty, Don't Forget Me Tommy. How many notes did you play? Uh, I think there were four or five. No more. How many do you need? Listening to that again, I'm thinking maybe we were a fifth-tier punk band. But look, we pressed the record ourselves, and the sleeves were made from red construction paper that Cliff stole from school. The freeze was scrawled in magic marker on the front in huge letters with an oversized Z. Believe it or not, you can find original versions of the 45 online for hundreds of dollars. Hundreds. That's ridiculous. Anyway, when we got the records from the pressing plant, all hell broke loose. It started when Cliff played the record for his parents. First, Don't Forget Me Tommy, that went fine, but then I Hate Tourists. Father's like, God damn it. I... <laughs> and he, he, he storms out the door, and like my mother's like, your father doesn't appreciate that kind of language. And I go, you never, <laughs> I hear him use that kind of language daily. What are you talking about? He doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't appreciate it himself, I guess. <laughs> Afterwards, Cliff's parents called my parents. Now, a word here about my parents. My mom's family were blue bloods. They said they were connected to the Mayflower somehow. My father, on the other hand, he was working class. He was raised in a strict Catholic household. Growing up, he wanted to be a priest. He fought in World War II. He re-enlisted for Korea. He voted for Reagan twice. He also owned a women's clothing store and sold very traditional clothes. So Cliff's parents called mine, and I came home from community college one day, and my parents said, Hey, Robbie, can we listen to the record? I immediately thought, I'm done. This is the day I die. Keep in mind, this is what I didn't want my daughter to hear. This is what causes me to hide my face in shame now. 
In fact, I hid my face from my parents. I turned my back to them and leaned my forehead against the window of the front door, staring out, devastated. Driving down Route 28, I gotta hurry fast or I'll be late. Because I see a girl and she wants to ride and she'll soon be sitting by my side. But the guy in front from Michigan is slowing down to let her in. With a gun, I can't shoot my load, so I fucking run him off the road. Because I hate tourists, tourists suck. It's only their daughters I want to fuck There isn't a Taurus that I don't hate So get the hell out of my state There it is. See what I mean? Bullshit about picking up a girl hitchhiking in order to get off. And that chorus. I hate tourists. Tourists suck. It's only their daughters I want to fuck. <sighs> Jesus. My parents lost it. My mother, she murmured nonsensically in some high-pitched voice I don't think I'd ever heard before. And my father screamed, We didn't raise you this way. Where did you learn that language? We have a reputation, the business, our name. It was endless. You know that saying, the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife? Yeah, well, in our house, you needed a chainsaw. I want to remind you that this all went down in 1980, because what happened next may sound like something from the 50s. My father did what he could to ban the record. First, he asked to buy all the records from the band at cost. When we said retail, he blew his stack, said we were trying to rip him off. So then my dad called the police. Could they stop it? Nope. Cliff remembers my father contacting Morality and Media. They were an anti-pornography group working to ban porn nationwide. Your father was about action when he, when, he, when he wanted it, you know? What he wanted wiped away, he wanted wiped away. Nothing came of his efforts. And then one day, after months of living in an armed camp, my father and I were talking at the dinner table about the record, and he said something that caught my attention. Mostly, he was worried about the family reputation, the family name, Rosenthal. So I said to my dad, well, what if we change our names? What do you mean, he said. Well, we, we could change our last names or something. You would do that? I don't know. I'd need to talk to Cliff about it. And that's how Cliff Cross became Cliff Hanger, and I became, I became Rob DeCradle. So yeah, Rob DeCradle here, which is just absurd. You were a virgin. <laughs> that's my daughter, Chelsea, again. We've never listened to it together again. You never came back to me and said... All right, you're ready now. Will I ever be ready? <laughs> I don't know if you ever want me to hear that song with you. <laughs> right. Not gonna. Besides, she eventually listened to it herself. This is hard for me to ask, but yeah. what can you tell me about the song? Uh, it just uh, it seems like it was written by a, a dumb teenage kid. What else? That it's wildly inappropriate in a Me Too, <laughs> in a Me Too time. If if you knew you were gonna have two daughters, would you have sung backup vocals on that song? I'm shaking my head. No, I wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's also playful and fun, and I don't take it seriously. 
And so you sound at ease with it. Yeah. It's a good song. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. No, it doesn't. I, you guys are just dumb kids on the Cape. It doesn't seem... It isn't, it's not a threatening or, or hurtful. I don't take it seriously. But I know you, and I know how the song was made, and so I don't feel threatened by it. But a, another woman listening to that song without having the context of the language or the joke or the time or your age or whatever could, could feel hurt or uncomfortable listening to it. Oh, has Gwen heard the song? Has Gwen heard the song? Gwen is my other daughter. She's 14, about the same age Chelsea was when I snatched the CD from her. The thought of Gwen listening to I Hate Tourists freaks me out. Do you regret writing I Hate Tourists? You do? Oh, man. I'm smiling because of the irony of your dad not wanting the Rosenthal name on that album, and now here you are 40 years later. So Chelsea says the song was written by some dumb kids. It was teenage hijinks, testing boundaries, that kind of thing. I don't know. Didn't we know better? But The Freeze is about to reissue that song, and I ain't no teenager anymore. I mean, let me put it this way. Would I record and release that song now? No. So should I even write liner notes? I'd almost feel like, don't be involved with it if you can't own it. That's Scott again. It's funny to me because this is somewhat reminiscent of the current trend to look back on historical events. And to me, what happens is we apply sort of modern day sensibilities to historical events, things that happened, and say, boy, wasn't that terrible, uh, whether it's a statue or, or writing or you know, book or, or whatever. Uh, and I really think that's wrong. History happened. Do you think I'm overthinking? I do. Absolutely. It could be. I don't know. You know, it could. I don't know exactly how you Hang on. Hang on. I don't. Hang on to what? It's waiting for the jet to go by, for it's God's gone. sakes. It's long gone now. No, it's not. I can still hear it. Tell me my job. That's your tinnitus. Tell me my job. That's your tinnitus. Are all old friends like this? Ah, for the record, I don't have tinnitus. I do have a free scrapbook, though. I made it in 1982. Cliff's never seen it. It's thick with photos and newspaper clippings. I have a slew of old gig flyers, too. Black flag, That's huh? black flag at the Mill Hill Club. Wow. Look at the drums. That's yeah, we played with Black Flag, Fear, the UK subs, and of course a lot of local bands from Human Sexual Response to Gang Green. We played throughout New England. This is from The Rat. So we were paid 70 Damage sixty dollars. We made ten dollars. <laughs> received petty cash. Amazing. 10 Very nice. That was yeah. a... We owed for a mic. Oh, is that what it was? Well, I think we poured beer in the mic. I hate tourists. Made the top ten singles in the Boston Phoenix in nineteen eighty. After that, we put a song on a compilation album. Then came This Is Boston, Not L.A. We got a lot of attention and positive reviews for that, and it looked like bigger things might be around the corner, but not for me. I had a growing sense there was more to discover beyond the freeze. 
wanted to get off Cape Cod, go to college, get into radio. Besides, I sucked at the guitar and the freeze could do better. And then there's me and Cliff. I guess one way to put it would be this. He went more dead boys. I stuck with the jam. So in 1982, after five years in the band, I played my last gig, warming up for the Bad Brains. Then I left. And the band took off. They quickly moved up a tier or two. The Freeze toured the U.S. again and again. They played around Europe as well. I'd buy every album as they came out. Land of the Lost, Rabid Reaction, Misery Loves Company, and all the others. But really, I'd moved on. Well, I hung out with Cliff, we played guitar together, and we talked. We talked and talked and talked. Vegetarianism, books, podcasts, Cliff's anxiety disorder, his drug addiction, relationships. For the life of me, I couldn't remember why we were called the Freeze. Rock solid, steadfast, and we meant business. We yakked about the upcoming retrospective album, 40 Years of Defiance. What are you defying? I haven't become a cubicle slave. Do you think things turned out for you the way you thought they were going to? No. Failed as a parent, failed in my career, failed in the band really because it hasn't been a failed to save for any for my retirement, failed in my marriage, everything, every single part of it. Yeah, it's hard for me to hear, Cliff. That really was hard to hear. And then I made the mistake of giving him shit for having a cat picture on his phone. That's Boogles. That's the cat that saved my life three times. I mean, I, you know me, I grew up as a dog guy. I'm a cat guy now because of, the, because of this character here. There he is. <sighs> Cliff had a younger brother. His name was Calvin. And Cal died from a brain tumor. Cliff wrote a song about it called Terminal. He says the band plays Terminal every gig. It's his way of staying close to Cal. I remember holding his hand. He opened his eyes and he looked. He looked at me. I got. I looked. At least I remember it that way. And he said, "Make just promise Terry will be okay as a son." And I said, "You know." I looked at him. I, of course, of course. I have something I want to tell you. I miss you, Cliff. I miss you too, Rob. Those are the those are the those are the innocent days. Those are fun. And I apologize for being a little overbearing at times. I know I was. I, mean, I was still testing limits at that point with everything. And I know I was kind of mean at times. Yeah, I don't know what you're referring to. I don't know. Just I just know how I was. Cliff seems to spend a lot of his time making videos for Freeze songs. Must be a couple dozen of them on YouTube. We watched a few on Cliff's phone, including the one for I Hate Tourists. What do you think about that song now? I think it's... it's it, I don't care anymore one way or the other about tourists. I think whatever. I think, I, that was just a knee-jerk reaction, and I think it was just a fun song, you know, especially when you're that age. Because that's all we did. It was true. You know, we hated the fucking traffic jams. We hated seeing... 
good-looking girls up the road and stuff being picked up by asshole guys or whatever, you know. Oh, they oh they could have been, uh, we could have picked them up, maybe. We could have had fun. We could have gone to a party. We could have fucked them, maybe. Who knows? He says the Freeze rarely play tourists live anymore. If someone requests it, they might. But it's dated, juvenile. And besides, he says, he wouldn't write the song today. But still, Cliff thinks tourists was funny then, and it's funny now. I think we thought it was funny because we were too young to know different. You know, I, actually, I'm going to correct myself. I feel like we did know that there was something wrong about it. It was no, we. I didn't think there was something wrong about it. We knew that it was going to cause a bit of a backlash, and it's like that's what we wanted. At that, at, 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 at that point, with the band's career, you know, it's like negative attention is better than no attention at all. Yeah, but it was also sexist, and it's degrading to women. Um, I don't think that teenage kids are that PC. PC hadn't even really come into play yet. You're looking at it from a completely different age perspective. No, I, I, I get that. I get that it's, I'm 56 now, and so I see things differently. Right. And, and I have two daughters. Right. No, no I get it. I get it. I, I feel I like the line, that. I hate tourists, tourists suck, it's only their daughters I want to fuck, treats women as though they were a piece of meat. And women aren't, Cliff. You don't have to tell me that. I know that. If you're going to, if you're going to like uh, react to something that I see as frivolous, old, and, and fitting the age that it was written at and about, there are more in-your-face potential issues that you may want to address that have a little bit more merit to, to them. I ain't sure. It's just, that's just a kid's fucking nothing. That's, that's nothing to the other ones. The other ones is we get kind of, you know, kind of the mean thing kind of does come out. One warm summer's morning, I awoke to find my baby had deserted me. She'd left me behind. Now, unlike many other men who would sit home and sulk, I'm going to find her. I'm going to bring her back and beat her to a pulp. I'm going to find her. I'm going to bring her back and then beat her to a pulp. What's that? Rubber room. That's 20 times worse. Cliff shocked me. I had completely forgotten about that song. It's called Before I Hit the Rubber Room. And while I never recorded it, I did write the music. And he reminded me of another song. It's called Princess Die. You only told me that you love me when you knew you had control. Your bitching and your insults finally took their toll. Don't nuzzle any closer. I'm not sure which I do. Caress your face when it's next to mine or beat it black and blue. Caress your face when it's next to mine or beat it black and blue. Cliff readily defends these songs. The band doesn't play Rubber Room anymore. Even he sees it as problematic. But still, he stands by it. It's a fictional character, he says. It's someone who's gone a bit insane and they're contemplating violence. In any novel... You're going to have characters you like and characters you dislike. This is just one of the characters in my overall novel. As for Princess Di, he says it's not about anyone in particular. It's about princess attitudes. Hardly anything I sing is literal. As much as I thought punk was political, anti-war and anti-nuclear, anti-racist, pro-labor, pro-youth, there was another side to punk. It was silly, irreverent, nihilistic, self-absorbed, even outright stupid and sexist. Unfortunately, the Freeze weren't alone. The Stranglers come to mind with their song, Bring on the Nubiles. 
I'll leave it at that. There was a band called the Tough Darts. We bought their record in a cutout bin. They had a song about a troublesome girlfriend called She's Dead. I drove up to the reservoir. I found a place to park. We jumped into the back seat where we knew it was nice and dark. I tied my tie around her neck. I tied it oh so tight. I tied it so very quickly, she had no time to fight. And then there's the Dead Boys, too. In one song they sang, Don't look at me that way, bitch. Your face is going to get a punch. What was the song you just sang about the black and blue? Princess Die. I guess I don't remember that line. I think I had my head in the sand. I think I, I was. I think I was just. We had, we I was just pretty clueless about what we about stuff. About. I guess I'm looking back 40 years and thinking, uh, I wish I'd known better. Why do you, Why do you saddle yourself with that kind of stuff? It is what it is. You can't change it. So why do you like? Why do you harp on it? Why do you let it take up so much headspace? Society basically accepted Kavanaugh's attempted rape. That's way over the line. Now, did that somehow trigger it? Was it partially that? I feel like that that sort of thing is in the air cliff. Like the whole the Kavanaugh nomination, the whole Me Too movement. When I think of Harvey Weinstein, when I think of Bill Cosby, I mean, what we did is hardly anything remotely like what they did. But I feel like it's part and parcel of the whole picture. Um, You're talking about full adults here in power positions. With, um, with, with, the song is not about any of that. Not, none of us had any power over any of the women. None of us were adults, really, 17, 18. I get all of that, but well, it feels well, well, like contributing I, to the whole, the whole atmosphere. And uh, I find it troubling. Like, I sat in a car not too long. 17 years old. So what? You were an adult. Yeah, now I'm 56, and morning. it's freaking embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? You're 17 years old. I can't, you can't just write it off as being uh, 17 no, years old. You know, people make mistakes on their way to learning the right thing. <laughs> I'm going to leave you. Well, what? I'm going to take off. <laughs> Can I give you a hug? You can do it. Yes, you course you can. If you'd like to. Cliff, I'm really glad we spent this time together. So, same with me, Rob. So look, you're my childhood friend, and I've worried about you over the years. I worry about me over the years, too. I, I, knew you were, I knew you were doing pretty good. I don't think I'm doing pretty good, but, you know. I, uh, I feel like I have some kind of brotherly love for you. I don't see how we couldn't. You know, I've always got along great with you. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Though. Yep. I think it seems like this is like a funeral. I ain't going anywhere yet that I know of. <clears throat> I'll walk you out there. Okay. Thanks for coming out, you guys. We're the Freeze. Thank you. While I visited Cliff in Phoenix, the Freeze played a benefit gig for a guy in the scene who has cancer. I was psyched to see them. Even with his pot belly, Cliff commands the stage. Mike tight to his lips, leaning forward, spewing and contorting. Most of the 200 people in the crowd were older, 30s and up. They stood still, bopping their heads. 
No stage diving like back in the day, that's for sure. Back in 1978, when we started this band, it was me and this guy right over here, Rob Rosenthal, Rob the Cradle. Thanks for coming out tonight, Robbie. He, uh, he co-wrote this next song. It's not called Princess Die. Cliff knew what I thought about Princess Die, the song that has the line about beating women black and blue, but he linked me to it anyway. And right after he said that, he looked at me from the stage and held his hands like he was praying. He mouthed, please don't hate me, please don't hate me. Are all old friends like that? I'm actually not connected to that song. When I got back home, I did some research. Princess Die is a new version of a song I wrote. New lyrics, new chorus, new title. It actually has little to do with me at this point, so I emailed Cliff and asked to remove my name from the credits. He agreed. Princess Die! It was a little weird not to be on stage when they played songs I wrote or recorded. In my head, I was kind of a jerk. Well, that's not quite how it's played. And then I thought, Rob, can you imagine still playing with the freeze? But I'm glad Cliff is. Lots of people never find their thing, that profession or pastime that makes them whole. Not Cliff. He found his thing. Thank you. I still have several copies of I Hate Tourists, including one where everyone in the band autographed the cover. (laughs) Recently, I pulled out the one I have in my scrapbook, and I took a listen. So I never drummed up the courage to say to Cliff, maybe I Hate Tourists shouldn't be on 40 Years of Defiance. I was too afraid he'd give me the finger and walk away. And the thought of becoming my father, yeah, That was alarming. Now, sitting on the couch at home listening, I think not including tourists would be a major mistake. People should hear this song today for what it is, or at least what I think it is. I hear two and a half minutes of beautiful imperfections. The record is pressed slightly off-center, so it sounds wobbly. The guitars are out of tune. Someone's shouting off-beat. It's really a one-take wonder. I also clearly hear two and a half minutes of casual sexism those daily indiscretions, the rude comments or jokes at the expense of women. Casual, like those lyrics were no big thing. Well, they are. I didn't hear that back then. I do now. As an old punk rocker who still believes punk is better than that, as a son and as a father of two daughters, well, to quote Cliff, I made a mistake on the way to learning what's right. And I own it. I went down to my noon. I got pushed away. And I hear something more. I came across a couple of photos in the scrapbook. In one, Cliff's screaming into a mic, eyes clenched, his fist beating his chest. In another, I'm pounding my guitar, sweaty and determined. I hear that as well. Two and a half minutes of two best friends playing our guts out. Like this band is the reason we grew up together, and we'd do it forever. And I want to turn it up louder. Hey! 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 
By the way, consider this story my liner notes. This episode was produced by Rob Rosenthal. Special thanks to The Freeze and Cliffhanger for their music and their willingness to revisit the past. Also, thanks to Samantha Brown for editorial help. Lost Notes is produced by Mike Dodge-Weisskopf. Our associate producer is Paulina Velasco. The executive producer for this season is me, Jessica Hopper. Nick White is creator and executive producer of Lost Notes. Lost Notes is made with the support of KCRW's Independent Producer Project. For more on this episode, including music and videos of The Freeze, visit us at kcrw.com slash lostnotes and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by using the hashtag lostnotes. Please review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about how awesome Lost Notes is. Next week, poet and author Hanif Abdurraqib on Cat Power. I love you for the greatest, Sean. I love that it is an unholy album made with holy methods. It is an album of the self splitting into many other selves and all of them trying to get out of bed and go another round with whatever waits outside. It snowed in Columbus, Ohio on the day your album dropped, Sean, and I threw my windows open and let the cold come in while your voice filled the room. Later on this season... 70s female rock band Fanny, synth pioneer Suzanne Chani, and the women behind John Fahey. That and more this season on Lost Notes. I'm Jessica Hopper. Until next time. <laughs>